Amen. Thank you, Brother Phil. Great song, great job. Go ahead and get in your Bible, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We did just finish up uh, a year, and I think it's good just to uh, pause and be thankful for what God did here uh, last year. <laughs> um, since we started the church 17 years ago in the UAW Hall uh, next door, uh, I hope you understand God has been very, very good to Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I, I don't, I, I could talk for a long time about all the people who serve. Uh, I mean, uh, we, we have 22 wor workers with children in nursery and 15 more in children's church and 19 more children's workers in master clubs. I'm faithful people. I'm thankful. I mean, we have people on our welcome team who serve all the time we have over 50 people on cleaning crews and 15 people on uh, cutting and landscape crews there are uh, eight different adult Bible classes uh, there's so many people that serve uh, we have over 30 different people that sing in some sort of special capacity I mean this past year our children's choir and teen choir and adult choir got going again I'm thankful for that we had 17 baptisms last year we had 24 people joined by letter or statement. We added a staff member. We added a Spanish ministry. We had several people who hadn't done ministry before who started to serve. We had people who did ministry before who served in a greater capacity. That's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, if you've been here any length of time, you know I don't talk about numbers very much. I don't really believe church is about growth. I believe church is about faithfulness. And I think when churches get focused on growth, they do things to grow that cause them to be less faithful. But uh, God did bless us to grow uh, last year. Uh, over the year before, our Sunday school was up 32, our morning service 34, our evening service 22, our Wednesday service up 8. <laughs> That's a lot. Um, your giving was great by the grace of God. Uh, you gave over $2,000 a week above our budget that's a lot um, by the grace of God we will likely I don't know the final number because Mike is working out that stuff but as likely we will transfer an additional sixty thousand dollars to our loan principal that was given above our budget in addition to that above the budget we purchased a sixty thousand dollar van to start a new bus route we gave above the budget eleven thousand five hundred dollars to uh, give food to a Bible college in Nicaragua. Above our budget, we gave $2,100 to Pathway to Hope Pregnancy Care Center, $3,500 to Bearing Precious Seed Bible Printing. Uh, this is above the budget. Uh, our missions budget was 93000 This is above that. Uh, above that, because of your faithfulness, we gave $5,000 to a church planter in Taiwan to build a building that, or I should say buy a building that we had supported him since he started. We gave $5,000 to uh, help a guy in Scotland buy a building after he started a church there. We gave $5,000 to buy uh, Bibles in Honduras in the Mosquito language to a people group that basically the only person in the entire church that even had a copy of the scriptures was the pastor. Uh, we gave $2,000 in Brazil to Chico Pinto to refurbish a church that they started $500 to disaster relief in Turkey, $1,000 to Pastor Josh Jackson, who on a Sunday morning, really early 
had his esophagus punctured eating soup. And uh, again, that's all above the budget. That's all your generosity. And uh, again, I could go on and on. By the grace of God, we passed out 26,000 gospel flyers to our community. We knocked on thousands and thousands of doors and gave out gospel tracts to each of those. Uh, we assembled and shipped 15,000 copies of John and Romans in an African language over to uh, Africa. Uh, we had four vacation Bible school sites. We had hundreds of children hear the gospel at that. We had uh, over 400 first-time visitors. Listen, God has been so good to us. That is not a reason to boast. Everybody here, including myself, we're just a sinner saved by the grace of God. But I just want you to know, God has really blessed His work here, and we have every reason to be thankful. Uh, we did have a lot of struggles, difficulties, conflicts. Listen, it's not easy joining the lives of so many people with such different backgrounds and viewpoints on life. That's what we have three babies in the NICU right now. We had several people have cancer. We had people die unexpectedly. I mean, listen, I don't know what's in store for 2024. I hope Jesus comes back. But if not, I pray that God would find us faithful. That is the only thing we can control. So I praise the Lord for what he's done here. Now, we recently finished up a Sunday night series, a 10-week series on leadership and rightful authority. It wasn't really a flashy series like uh, when we spent about a year going through the book of Revelation uh, verse by verse, but I personally believe that those truths from that 10-week series, though they're not flashy, uh, really will practically help all of us in all of our key relationships uh, in life. Listen, being a Christian is not just about going to heaven when you die, though if you are a true Christian, you do go to heaven when you die. Being a true Christian is about following Jesus today and having healthy relationships and being a light for Him here and now. Uh, tonight, we're going to begin a new series uh, of random subjects. Uh, I have 14 messages planned for this series. I've done this several times in the past. I haven't done it for a few years. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know what other pastors do. I, I in my dress shirt pocket in my Bible, I have a little pink card with sermon ideas. And if something happens or somebody says something or whatever, and I think, oh, wow, that might be a good message, I write it down on, on that card, and uh, I put them then where they're full in a little box in my desk. I have 87 cards. Uh, some of them have a lot of things crossed out because I've used them in the past. Other things, cards have things on them that should be crossed out. Uh, quite frankly, it seemed like a good idea when I wrote it down, but... Looking back on it really wasn't that good at all. Uh, but what I did is a couple of months ago when the Lord started stirring my heart to spend some time doing this, uh, I just began going through those cards prayerfully and uh, planned out this series. Um, all the sermons in the Bible are topical. I, I want that to sink in a little bit. We live in a day and age when people say that if you don't teach and preach through the Bible verse by verse, you're not teaching and preaching the Bible. Listen, I like to teach through the Bible verse by verse sometimes too. Uh, sometimes I like to hear people do it. But understand, there are zero examples of that in the Bible. Zero. 
zero. And so I think uh, I'm uncomfortable uh, always doing that because there are zero examples of that. And quite frankly, I don't think it matters whether we preach and teach God's word topic by topic or verse by verse. The most important thing is we teach and preach the Bible. In this 14-message series, they are all biblical messages, but they are all topical. Tonight, I would like to speak to you about silence. People used to say children should be seen but not heard. And I do believe in parental discipline. I do believe in teaching children self-control. Listen, to demand silence from children, to me, that's not good parenting. People sometimes say silence is golden. And though I do believe that all of us need to turn down the volume from time to time and be still, I think if you've turned down the volume very much, you would have to agree that too much silence fuels our loneliness. Someone said all of us know how to say nothing. Few of us know when. Someone said when a fool holds his tongue, he'll pass for a sage. Someone said there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth. And though all of us should and most of us do value silence at the right time, hear me, no sensible person wants silence from heaven. If you're able to stand, if you'd stand please tonight in honor of the word of God, the title of my thought tonight is when silence speaks volumes, when silence speaks volumes. You should be in your Bible in 1 Kings chapter 18, and in 1 Kings 18 and verse 21, we read these words, and Elijah came unto all the people, and he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? Now, the word halt in your Bible, it's an old English word that means to be lame. They're not stopped between two opinions, they're lame, they're limping between two opinions. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under, and call ye in the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord, the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves, dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, and put no fire under. They took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called in the name of Baal from morning, even unto noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And he said, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he's talking or he's pursuing, for he's on a journey. Or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon him. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. Thank you. you might be seated. 
This time the northern kingdom of Israel was not in any way close to Jehovah their God. The king of the northern kingdom was a wicked man named Ahab. His wife was one of the most wicked people in the Bible. There's a woman named Jezebel. She uh, basically loved Baal and moved her husband Ahab to worship and serve Baal. And there was a dark time in the nation. Uh, there was a bright light in a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, Elijah. Now, there was other prophets in Israel at the time. In fact, there were at least a hundred other true prophets. If we were to study the story, there was a man of faith in Ahab's uh, cabinet in the government, so to speak, a man by the name of Obadiah. And when Jezebel ordered a hundred prophets to be executed, Obadiah hid them in a cave. Uh, there were other men of God. There were other faithful prophets, but there was only one, Elijah. By the time of the story in our text, God had sent a famine in the land, and it had been there for about three and a half years. Obviously, there was a great drought that impoverished everyone. And after a long absence from the public eye, Elijah steps up and he challenges these 450 prophets of Baal in front of the people of Israel. In verse 21, Elijah came unto all the people, and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people answered him not a word. By the way, that's great advice. If the Bible is the word of God, and there is but one God, Jehovah God, the God of the Bible, and he has on one only begotten Son, who is the only Savior of the world, listen, if that's true, then we ought to follow him. If the world is God, or our flesh is God, or there's many gods, or there's no life after this life, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Uh, but that's not true. And Elijah just basically calls them into question here and challenges the God to answer by fire. Now, these prophets were really sincere. Do you see their sincerity in verse 28? They cried aloud. They cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. Listen, that's pretty sincere. Aren't you glad our Creator doesn't tell us to do stuff like that? Uh, of course, we are supposed to live a sacrificial life for the Lord Jesus, but uh, we're not supposed to be harming ourselves in God's name. But Baal was not that kind of a God. And despite all this sincere effort by hundreds of the best representatives of Baal, heaven was silent to them in verse 29. It says, And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Heaven was silent because Baal wasn't God. By the way, Baal is likely the name of a fallen spirit loyal to Lucifer. Heaven was silent because sincerity isn't the same thing as truth. Heaven was silent because their faith was misplaced. They had faith, but it was misplaced. Heaven was silent because Jeho Jehovah, he didn't allow Satan to answer these false prophets that day. Listen, if you're a student of prophecy, then you know in the end times that there's going to be a false prophet, there's going to be an antichrist, a political leader, and a religious leader. And you know from Revelation chapter 13 that in that future day, the false prophet is going to send fire from heaven in the presence of the antichrist. And the world that will be ignorant of the written word of God will believe that false prophet. But in that time, God did not allow that to happen, and it remained silent. 
right after their failure, God did answer Elijah with supernatural fire that consumed not only the sacrifice, but the water that was in the trench he had made around it and the rocks themselves, verses 36 to 39, and came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and he said, not notice, he's not cutting himself. He's not screaming. There's no drama. There's no huge emotional buildup. Just a man of faith praying to a God who is real. Here's what he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. <laughs> See, for anyone who wants to hear truth from heaven, you must seek the true and living God. You cannot just choose a God that you like. By the way, when you choose a God you like, that makes you God. Uh, there is one God. One God who's revealed himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And if you and I seek truth from heaven, from that one God, we will hear from heaven. Listen, there were people in Old Testament days who sought truth from other gods, but heaven was silent. Truth was silent to them. There are people in New Testament days who sought truth from other gods, but truth also from heaven was silent to them. There are people today who seek truth from other gods, but truth also remains silent. And though there is some truth in every religion, there's only 100% truth in Jehovah God and the book that you and I hold in our hands tonight. Though silence may be considered golden at times, no one wants silence or half-truths from heaven. See, sensible people want what Elijah had that day. They want a true answer from heaven, from the one true God. They want an answer that is clear. They want an answer that changes things. They want an answer that strengthens and encourages their faith in the God of the Bible. But it isn't just that there was silence from heaven when the false prophets of Baal wanted to hear from Baal. Go next, please, back a few books to 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28. Kind of interesting while you're turning. Elijah's altar was just 12 stones. By the way, you can't even lay a bullock on 12 stones. This bullock is just draped over. It says the prophets of Baal... Uh, they were jumping on their altar. And so you got 450 guys who all can bring rocks. And so they get this, they, their altar looked incredible. But it was to a false god. Which gets us to our second thing tonight. Not only was there silence from heaven when the false prophets of Baal wanted to hear from Baal. Secondly, tonight, there was silence from heaven when King Saul wanted to hear from the true and living God. First Samuel chapter 28 Verse 5, when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. By the way, wouldn't you say that when you're afraid and your heart is trembling, that's a good time to seek God? Verse 6, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, 
or by prophets. Then said Saul to his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, Behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit in Endor. Saul disguised himself, put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, I pray thee, divine unto me the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards, and out of the land. Uh, wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swear uh, to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. By the way, before we go on, do you see how twisted that logic is? God won't answer him. He goes to a witch for an answer who's possessed, is a familiar spirit. And then he basically uses the Lord's name. As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment come to me. This is the twisted mind of Saul. Verse 11, then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? He said, Un, he said, bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. <laughs> See, King Saul was the first king of Israel. But he was the kind of king that the people wanted rather than the kind of king that God wanted. See, Saul was physically imposing. He's described as being shoulders and upward uh, higher than any other man in Israel. He also was a favorite of the people because he was a great military leader. They had a lot of military uh, victories under King Saul's reign. And listen, people would rather be secure than faithful in most cases. Saul, though he was physically imposing and though he was a great military leader, he was not spiritually minded. He had a passing external interest in God when it was in his own interest to have that. But when faith was difficult, when obeying God didn't make sense to him, Saul did what he wanted to do. By this time, Saul had been for years rejecting God's ways, and rejecting God's ways had brought Saul to a bad place in life. By the way, rejecting God's ways will always bring you to a bad place in life. You may get by with it for a little while when you're young, but listen to me, it will catch up to you. Man's ways and the ways of this world always in the end bring death of some sort to something that matters. By this time, he had been unjustly pursuing and trying to kill David for years. He repeatedly sinned so grievously against heaven that heaven was silent to him. He read that in verse 6. said, when he and Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, by the way, at that time, that was one of the ways God answered people. He says, nor by Urim, and there was something called the Urim and the Thummim that was something in the high priest's uh, little breastplate where people could get answers from God. Nobody knows exactly what it was. The words just mean lights and perfection, so nobody really knows what it is other than the fact that it was with the high priest and you could get answers from God through it. Uh, and God did not answer Saul by dreams or by Urim. And notice he says, nor by prophets, men of God. Men, men God had spiritually gifted and called in life, and, and Saul wanted to hear from God, and God did not answer him at all. Heaven was silent to him. Well, what a tragic place to be. 
when you know who the God of Israel is, and Saul knew, Saul may even have been a believer. I said might. People argue about that. I don't really know. Uh, I personally, if you force me to have an opinion, I would say he did, uh, was a genuine believer. But, by the way, none of us know for sure. We'll find out someday when we see Jesus. I got a sneaky suspicion that when we see Jesus, we're really not going to care whether Saul was saved. We're just going to be glad that we're saved and that our name is in the Lamb's Book of Life and maybe a couple hundred or thousand years down the road, hey, what, 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 was Saul, is he here somewhere? It's a tragic place to get in life when you know who the God of the Bible is and know what he wants and you've lived in such a manner that he does not answer you. But it is even more tragic to be in those circumstances and to turn to the devil for answers. And that's what he does in the beginning of verse 7. Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. Listen, turning to a woman with a familiar spirit is turning to Satan. It's like turning to a horoscope or tarot cards or Ouija boards or palm reading for answers. Listen, the devil has no answers. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds. Only the God of the Bible knows the future. And people who know something of the Bible, know something of Jesus, at least in America, they also regularly turn to the wrong places for answers when heaven is silent to them. Well, what I would say to you is if you know the Lord Jesus and heaven seems silent to me, to, to you, you need to first look at yourself. You, you need to have a come to Jesus meeting. You need to be honest about the way you're living your life, honest about what's in your heart, honest about the choices you're making with what you know that God has told you to do. And by the way, tonight I hope if you uh, are someone who knows the Lord at all uh, and heaven is silent, I hope you'll turn back to Christ. And if you're here and you don't know Christ as Savior yet, listen, the Baptist church or the Baptist tree or me, none of us can save you. Jesus is the Savior. Now, people regularly debate whether or not Saul was what we would call saved. Uh, I don't know. People regularly debate whether it was really a Samuel who was called up by this witch. I do not believe it was really Samuel. I have a lot of reasons for that, but I'm not going to talk about them tonight because I have something else I'm talking about. But I hope you understand that it is very different to have faith in Christ to live forever, to be saved, and to have faith in Christ to live for Christ. They're two different things. Faith in God is required for eternal life. In those days, in Saul's days, listen, Jesus hadn't come yet. He hadn't lived yet. He hadn't died on the cross yet. He hadn't been resurrected yet. In those days, if you had faith, you had faith and you believed what God said through Moses, that you offer an innocent blood sacrifice to cover your sins. That's what people of faith did in those days. And people, if you have faith in God today, what you do is you call upon the Lord Jesus, who is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament sacrifices that's how you live forever but faith in god for salvation and obedience to god in life they're two separate things please hear me you can have faith in christ to be saved and live a broken difficult 
painful life and then die and go to heaven because they're two different things. Obedience to God is required to have a blessed life. It's sad to me that some people with true faith in Christ for salvation don't have enough faith in God to obey what he asks us to do in life. I think I speak for most people here tonight when I say, do you know what? I not only want to go to heaven when I die, I want to live a blessed life here and now as well. And by the way, if you want to believe that Saul had no faith and he's in hell today, fine. I, I don't really know for sure. I just can't, It's an opinion. For tonight, the true God was silent to someone who knew about God and maybe even knew God because he lived carelessly and disobediently. Many of you know the psalmist, what he said in Psalm 66, 18, where the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, 2, Isaiah said, your sins have hid your face from, uh, have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Listen, God wants to hear, he wants to answer, but if you live a careless willful, disobedient, defiant life, heaven is going to be just as silent to you as it was to Saul. And even worse than heaven being silent is then to get an answer from a bad source. And that's what Saul chose to do. There's no surprise that that bad answer plunged him into depression. Listen, if you're here tonight and you are a true believer in Jesus, you have access to the Father yourself. You don't need to talk to the Father through some dead saint. You have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. He is your advocate. He is your intercessor. He is your mediator. And I don't know about you, I don't want silence from heaven when I'm lonely or hurting. I don't want silence from heaven when I'm weighing Bible principles, wondering what I should do. I don't want silence from heaven when someone I love has a desperate need. I, I don't want to get a call, the, the kind of call nobody wants to get and then have to fix my life before I can talk to God. I, I don't want silence from heaven when I'm praying about what message to preach. I don't want silence from heaven when you text me or call me and you say, Brother Wally, this is going on, would you pray for me? I, I don't want to live like that. And I believe there's a lot of people here tonight, you don't want to live like that either, and you don't have to live like that. Saul got silence from heaven because of the choices he made. He twisted God's word. He twisted obedience. He played with spiritual things. For years and years, he was willfully defiant. And then when he needed God to answer, silence from heaven. I don't believe there is ever any hesitation from heaven to any sinner who calls upon Christ to be saved. If you've never done that, listen, you humble yourself. You call on and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ that his shed blood, his death, his resurrection sufficient to pay for your salvation. There's no hesitancy from heaven. I believe God saves you. I do believe heaven will be silent when believers live careless, disobedient lives. And even more so when they seek answers in the wrong place. 
Listen, if you're here tonight and you're not saved, tonight's a good night to call on the Lord. If you're here tonight and you are saved, but you know, you're basically, you know what you should be doing basically, but you just don't do it. You, You don't try and fail, you don't even try. You know in your heart that you're basically willfully disobedient, presumptuously defiant. Uh, Listen, I plead with you in Christ's stead, fix that so heaven will not be silent to you like it was to Saul. But it's not just that there was silence from heaven when King Saul wanted to hear from the true and living God. Lastly tonight, please go in your Bible to Psalm 102. Psalm 102. Jesus said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Broad is the way and wide is the gate that leadeth unto destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. I don't rejoice in that. But I want to be somebody on that straight, narrow way of faith in Christ. Which gets us to our last thing tonight. Number three, sincere believers turn to the Bible and listen for the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And they hear from heaven. Notice in Psalm 1 and 2 as it begins in the title, it says, A prayer of the afflicted, when he's overwhelmed, and poureth out his complaint before God. Remember, the titles of the psalm are part of the text. They're not something inserted in study Bibles. I have a study Bible. That's not something put in there by a study Bible. That's not an inspired part of the Bible. Uh, This is the circumstances. And listen, all of us have been there. Overwhelmed, afflicted, and kind of complaining about what we're going through. Verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I'm in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I, and I call, answer me speedily. He said, what's he doing? He's wanting to hear from heaven. He says, for my days, in verse 3, are consumed like smoke. My bones are burned as in hearth. My heart is smitten, withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. I mean, I mean this is going on for days. So bad he forgets to eat. Now, I don't know about you, I don't hardly ever forget to eat. But this is going on. This is how difficult of a situation he's facing. In verse 5, he says, my, By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. He said, I'm like a pelican in the wilderness. That's not where pelicans live. So if you're a pelican in the wilderness, you're alone. He says, I'm like an owl in the desert, and owls don't live in groups. It's also alone. Verse 7, I watch. And I'm as a sparrow alone on a housetop. Now, sparrows also often hang out with other sparrows, but not this sparrow. Listen, this guy, he's overwhelmed, he's troubled, he's afflicted, he feels all alone. His heart's desire from verse 2, hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Climb thine ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. He wants to hear from heaven. Listen, it is the desire of the heart of every believer to be heard in heaven and have true answers. 
Most all of us have been at a place like this psalmist was before, and likely there are some here tonight. You're there now. You're not in that place because of your sins. You're not in the place because of your negligence or willful defiance of God. You're in that place through no fault of your own, but God has allowed you to get there. Hear me when I say this. God hears all your prayers, and He answers. But His answers are not always what we want to hear, and His answers don't always come the way we want them to come. Here's our problem. We equate answers from heaven with our feelings. And very often we think that if I don't feel anything, if I don't tingle, if my eyes don't tear up, then I'm not hearing anything. Sometimes people even want some special vision or dream from God as if what God had already said was insufficient. It's sad that so many people are unsatisfied with God sending an answer through a wise and godly counselor that you seek advice from. They're unsatisfied with a message from some faithful preacher or teacher of the Bible. They're unsatisfied with a word from a godly friend or a godly family member. It really helped me a lot uh, many years ago when I accepted this, this simple thing. Every word that I read in this book is a word from heaven from God to me. Whether I tingle when I read it, whether I cry when I read it, whether I feel anything when I read it, it's always a word from God. It used to kind of bother me because of just the way people talk about it. And you you think, wow, I read my Bible, I didn't feel anything. If you figured out a way to read your Bible and always feel something, let me know, I'll try it. If it works, I'll tell everybody. Uh, It used to bother me. Sometimes I would read the Bible and I would think to myself when I walked by, you know what, I don't even know what I got out of that. Hey, listen, uh, a strainer doesn't hold much water, but it's a lot cleaner strainer because you had water in it. I I wish I could tell you, hey, you do this and every time you read your Bible, you'll feel something. Every time you read your Bible, you will learn something new. I I don't, again, for a long time, it just bothered me because that's not what I personally found. I've read my Bible every single day for 39 plus years. I'm not the only one in here like that. There's other people who've read it every day for decades. And, And I just want you to know, it gave me great comfort It really helped me a lot to know that even when I didn't feel anything or feel like I learned anything, I was listening to the voice of God to me. Every time you come to a place where somebody preaches and teaches the Bible with the power of the Spirit in their life, God is speaking. So I didn't learn anything tonight. That's okay. I don't think we're always supposed to learn. Listen, if every time you came here you heard something new, there's something wrong with what I'm doing. Most, once you become basically familiar with the Bible, most of what we're doing is just really reviewing what we know and reapplying it in our heart and life.
You know, I'm afraid that a lot of sincere believers miss what God has to say to them from heaven because we want God to shout. We, we, we want to tingle. We want our eyes to be filled with tears. Listen, those things are wonderful. They do happen from time to time. But that's not the mark of whether God is speaking from heaven to you. If you're a sincere follower of Jesus, God is speaking through every word of this. I believe there are people. I get it. Our world is wicked. I get it. Much of American Christianity is compromised. I get it. But there are still a lot of faithful, godly people. People who are walking in the Spirit. Remember? Just like you walk in the hallway, so you're walking in the boundaries of the hallway. When you're walking in the Spirit, you're walking in the boundaries of what the Spirit has told us. I believe there are people still, followers of Jesus, who are walking in the light that 1 John speaks about, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth them from all sin. I believe that. And listen, if, if that's you tonight, if you're sincere, flawed, listen, I'm flawed. If you're just a sincere follower of Jesus and you just on a day-to-day basis, you try to keep your sins confessed, you try to stay close to God. When you fail, you get to God, I'm so sorry. Uh, listen, if you're living your life like that, heaven is never silent. Never. Yeah, there is silence from heaven when you look for truth from a false god. Yeah, there is silence from heaven when a believer believer willfully, presumptuously defies what they know to be right. In fact, if you're a believer tonight and heaven has been silent uh, to you, uh, that's what you need to fix before heaven's going to speak. But here, there is never silence from heaven when a sincere, humble believer opens this book Here's somebody preach or teach this book in the power of the Spirit. Listens to music that soothes their spirit instead of feeds their flesh. Heaven is never silent. And I find great comfort in that. I know you might not ever be there, but there's times when I feel really lonely. In times when things have happened in my family, in the church, I have just no idea what to do. None. I'm glad that my father is listening and that he's not silent. That's the same for you if you know Christ. I don't know where the message finds you. Maybe it finds you and you don't know Christ. I didn't ask if you're a Baptist. I didn't ask if you've been baptized. I didn't ask how much money you gave. I'm asking, is there a time in your life, it's unmistakable, you couldn't forget it, when you called upon Jesus with a humble heart, you changed your heart. If the message finds you and you haven't done that, tonight's a good night to do that. Maybe the message finds you and you have done that. But you're like Saul. And willfully and presumptively, You're just not doing what you know you're supposed to do. 
would you, instead of just being okay with silence from heaven, and instead of getting answers in the wrong place, would you just return to the Lord tonight? And I'm also talking to some people, you know Christ, and you're not living a defiant, presumptuous life as best as you understand what it means to follow Jesus, you're doing it. Hey, listen. God is not silent. Amen? You quietly stand.